This is a HeadGum Podcast. They're not just super. They're not just special. They're not just super. They're not just special. They're the super specials. Well, how do we intro this? Do we have a way of... Do we say something? Um, do we say attention campers and counselors, or do we say something else now? Let me see. Let me look up in my notes what we say. People keep coming up with cool catchphrases in these books, and I think we might have adopted one to introduce the podcast. Here's what we say. What? Here's According to my notes, here's what we say. Yeah. These are not my hands. <laughs> okay. This fact is forgotten by my brother's. Inexplicably, it has always seemed to me the hands are strong, to be sure, and have created great things for us, but they are not mine, and that counts for something. They forget that the silver on my arms come from a beast that I vanquished. It is the mark of a great evil that I ended, and yet it persists within me. I would struggle to remove it now. I will not remove the silver from my flesh, because I have learned to depend on it. My fault is with my mind." Okay, that's how we intro the... These hands are strong and have created great things, but they are not mine. It's how, and that's what I have written down as my, in my notes as what we, how we introduce the show. Okay. And that's obviously... What's that from? I think these texts... I have it here attributed to Primarch Ferris Manus of the Iron Hands Legion. What is that? Warhammer? It must be from these texts, right? If it weren't from these texts, would you guess that it were from Warhammer? Well, the only other time I've heard of the Iron Hands Legion is Warhammer for sure. Okay, Warhammer forty k. But you think it's from these texts and not War? Because I don't, I don't want to get tricked into saying something that's from Warhammer forty k. I don't know for sure. Okay, I know that there is an Iron Hands Legion in Warhammer forty k, and I am almost certain that there is an Iron Hands Legion in Babysitters Club Super Specials. So I think these hands are mine. The fact okay. Is, All right. I got you. Fact All right. Ready? My brother Let me explain. Yep. Got it. Yes, I got it. Let me introduce the show. Mm-hmm. Hi, hi, baby nation. These are not my hands. My fault is with my mind. I'm Jack Shepard. I'm Tanner Greenring. And this is the Babysitter's Club Super Club. I think maybe these hands are strong and have created great things, but they are not mine is how okay. we intro the show. Okay. Shall I take it from the top? Yes. Hi, hi, baby nation. These are not my hands. These, These hands are hands, strong. Yep. And they've and created, have created great things, but they are not mine. As Anna Martin used to say. Primark of the Iron Hands Legion. Primark of the Iron Hands Legion. And Anna Martin is, of course, the subject of this podcast, the Babysitter's Club. Um, super. Club. The Babysitter's Club, um, Super Club. These are not my hands. This week, I'm Jack Shepard. I'm Tanner Greenring. And we're going to be talking about a super special called Sea City. Here we come by the Noodler. <laughs> That's what you went with. The Noodler. Okay. Um... The Tender Shepherd, the Little Night Owl, the Ocean Princess, the Screaming Mirror, the Space Mountain known as Snow Mommy. She is the Fast-Fingered Swordman, the Condor and the Squall, Ghost Eyes, and the Knife. 
Martin, a frugal master. Yes. This week, I already told you what book we read. Mm-hmm. Super special number 10 by Primark Ferris Manis. And? <gasps> no, not yet. Not yet? Jack. Okay. All right. Save it. We got a little, we got Save a little, it. Little, little sweet treat for you guys. This will be our little secret. This will be our little secret. This book, Sea City, here we come. Shut to- up. Okay. Epithets. Okay. <laughs> Every week, Super Babies, um, the knife, the noodler, the tender shepherd puts an epithet into these books for us to find so that we may call her by her proper name. So that we may see the many facets that make up Anne M. Martin. Right. We've talked about some of them here, and we're about to talk about another one, which we found in this book. Tanner, did you find any epithets that Anne wants us to call her by in this novel? I found a few. Okay. And I'm not quite sure. None of them them jumped out at me more than the others. Okay. But I definitely think there's a little bit of a run here where one of them is clearly what she wants us to call her. Uh Uh-huh. And I'll just read it. Yep. The van was silent for the next few minutes. I closed my eyes and breathed in the salty air. Just over the causeway, this is number one, a three-dimensional purple cow Mm -hmm. loomed over the road on a billboard. That's our first important landmark on the way to Sea City. The cow, Claire shouted. I pointed to our second landmark, a roadside restaurant. Crabs for grabs. That sounds, that's fun. And then finally, but the third landmark had changed. It used to be a billboard for suntan lotion, which showed a dog pulling down a little girl's bathing suit. Now it was an ad for a local hot dog place. Look, Nikki said sadly, as if he'd just been told Sea City had washed away forever. The tushy picture's gone. What does the sign say? Claire asked. Wieners, wieners, I read. So I think we've got three options to go with here. Do you? Do yeah. you? Do you? Three-dimensional you, purple cow. Uh-huh. Crabs for grabs. Uh-huh. And wieners, wieners. And what if I were to tell you that none of those are right? I think one of those surely must be right. The three-dimensional purple cow... Tanner, this, I feel like we talk about this every week. I didn't week. say that was the one. I didn't say that was the one. It could be grabs so for think grabs. So it's wieners, wieners? Every week we talk about this. Crabs Anne, for grabs. It's good. It's not good. It, Anne wants us to, she wants to sound ominous and important. Like, crabs for grabs reminds me of um, Smiles for Miles. Yeah, but that's Ellen. Anne is, she wants to strike fear into the hearts of her enemies. These epithets are enhancements okay well you have something better no we turn to see jenny our angel prezioso running towards us she is a four-year-old who lives next door and she's one of our campers our angel is what her parents call her but she isn't she's kind of spoiled tanner i think that Anne would like for us to call her our angel because she is our angel. our angel. She's not a crab for grabs. Angel, our yeah. angel. Won't you be an? That's good. Yeah. Uh. Okay. So let's so let's take it from the top. Yeah. Welcome to the Babysitters Club. Super uh, super club. Um, These hands are 
not these my hands are hands. strong and have created great things, but they are not mine. Mm-hmm. This week we read a book by Anne, the Angel Martin, our Angel. Anne, our Angel Martin. This week we read a book Crabs by for Grabs, our Angel, Anne Martin. Wiener's Wiener. <laughs> the wiener to our wiener. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah, that's very nice. It's got a real ring to it. That's the epithet. Now, we talked about what happened in this novel. It was an interesting novel. Yeah. Strange novel. It was a lot like, have you read Tristram Shandy? Oh. What do you mean, oh? <laughs> that's not it. It was a question. Uh-huh. Have you read Lawrence Stern's Tristram Shandy? <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. Whoa. Yeah, oh, whoa. <laughs> okay. Right? So did you also feel like there are some analogs, at least in stylistically? Uh, you tell me, am I right? <laughs> I, I do. Do you want to talk about it? Yeah, I would love to. Okay. I would love to get at the bottom of this. Yeah. <laughs> sink, my, sink my teeth in. Okay, good. What do you know about 18th century novels in general? So much. Yeah. Um, here's some of my favorites. Okay. Uh, Tom Robinson Jones. Crusoe. Robinson Crusoe. Loved it. Tom Jones, right. Anything by Smollett. Joseph Andrews. Oh, so you really like fielding. You love your fielding. Yeah. Well, I also love Jonathan Swift, Gulliver's Travels, obviously. What about Pamela? Oh, Pamela's good. Or Clarissa, if we're just doing novels based on women's names. Okay. Or by Camilla. Samuel Richards. Sin. Sin. Uh-huh. Or Evelina. Great. You know what my favorite is, though? What? The Vicar of Wakefield. Ooh, right? that's a good one. It's a classic. Yeah. Great. Well, this book reminded me of Tristram Shandy by Lawrence Stern, one of the greatest novels ever written. Also yeah, one no. of the first novels ever written it in reminded, English. It reminded me of The School for Scandal by Richard Brins. Sheridan? Lee. Sheridan. The play? Yep. Okay. How so? Written in the 18th century. This was written in the 18th century? Dutch. Uh, uh, no, no, no. It reminded me of like the styles of like books. It's certainly written. scandalous. Yeah. How... Right. Like, oh, you mean like A Tale of a Tub? Uh, yeah. By Jonathan Swift? By Swift? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's satirical in that way. Tanner, this book was a lot like Tristram Shandy in that it's a, it's a shaggy dog story. Oh, like the Tim Allen movie. <laughs> Not like the Tim Allen movie. The point of the novel never really happens until the very end. Like, they don't even really get to Sea City. The book is called Sea City. Here we. Tristram Shandy, famously, Tristram Shandy, it's it, the life of Tristram Shandy, and he isn't born until right. three quarters of the way through the right. novel. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Similarly, the primary narrative thrust of this tale is not borne out until well into the novel. And we have these like weird false starts early on. You mean Big like, Bill? Big Bill. Yeah. Exactly. The hurricane. Yeah. We have these weird I thought this would be a fun way in and it No 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 I'm right here with you, man. I agree. Yeah. I love it. Good. The book has these weird false starts where it's like they're supposed to go to see City and it just like never the hurricane is coming, but like the, 
they, like they're busy babysitting at home. They have the sleepaway camp. Like some of them think, have homeschool. Yeah, Claudia's got to finish her summer. There's her a summer school. Game. It's strange in that way. So that's one analog, I think, uh, Tristram Shandy. Another analog, another resonant text here is uh, Boy Crazy Stacy. This book is very much a squeakquel to the great novel Boy Crazy Stacy. Yes, agreed. Um, a lot of Sea City. Same cast of characters. Toby, Toby and Alex are back. back. Oh, yeah. and they seem they seem they look different They've to my into, cynical eyes. They've turned into creeps. They've turned into li- a, a pair of creeps. Well, Toby. Toby in particular. Alex is is persona non gratis in this, but... Toby has this... Other than Austin Bentley, can you think of any boy who has dared to date not one but two babysitters? Um, Well, Logan did... Logan did call Claudia sexy that one time. Yeah, that was weird. So is that... Does that count? I don't think so. I don't think that counts as dating. Okay. Well, then no, I can't. So Toby's got this weird pull where he like he dates and he only dates babysitters who are already involved. Yes. Yes. <sighs> and he's he goes after young blood. Yeah. In a very upsetting way. And he's and it's revealed at the end of this book that he. Oh yeah, he's interested. He's in like a, a third. serial babysitter dater. Well, so this is Tanner. I, this now we're infringing on territory of a, an important segment. That we like to do here on the Babysitters Club. What is it? Super Club. Yes. What is it? it it's called. Immersed in thirst. Were you immersed in thirst this week? I was. Yes. Okay. But not by Toby. Toby's a fucking creep in this book. Yeah, but listen to how he's described. Can I tell you how he's described? Yeah. This is Mal. This is from Mal's point of view. Typical Stacy, I thought. She would find the guys right away. Once she had this huge crush on a lifeguard named Scott, who unfortunately had no interest in her. Then she met a boy named Toby. He was a cousin of a parent's helper named Alex. Alex and Marianne became good friends. Yeah, we all read Boy Crazy Stacy, yeah. Mallory. Yeah, we all read and it, Mallory. Stacy and Toby actually dated, but poor Stacy had bad luck again. He broke up with her at the end of the vacation. I stopped in my tracks when I saw the guy's face. He was Toby. I remembered him. The same wavy brown hair, freckles, deep brown eyes, deep, luscious brown eyes. Wow. He was cute. I didn't remember that about him. But he was also this creep, sexual deviant predator creep who was just going after all the 11-year-olds. He's only interested in babysitters. He's like 15. He may be 15. Mal says he may be 15. He's a pervert. It's weird. He dated Stacy, and then he's, he dates Mallory, and then this is kind of spoiling the 90-second uh, rundown that I'm about to do, but Mallory, at the last minute, decides that she doesn't want to cheat on Ben Hobart. Yeah. And Toby sends her a letter. I'll read this letter. It's, this is good. Dear Mallory, I just want you to know I'm not mad at you at all. In fact, I'm kind of glad you did what you did. If you hadn't, it would have been an uncomfortable date. You have a steady boyfriend, and that's cool. So I guess you wouldn't mind sending me the address of your friend, Jessie? She seemed very nice. How old is she? Is she seeing someone? Hope to hear soon. 
Toby. I guess it kind of goes back to what you were saying before, though, because maybe he sensed in some way that Jesse was involved with, with Quinn. Quinn. Yeah, and that's what that's that's what like gets him going. You know, like he wants to come in and disrupt loving and happy relationships. Yeah, especially when the babysitters are involved. What a villain! Yeah. What a villain! It's a very, very specific circumstance under which he gets off is like here's what i like i like girls who are 11 babysitters and dating other boys right yeah toby that's not cool that's not cool there were so many hashtag swoon yeah immersed in thirst moments in this book that i'm having trouble picking like jesse was really hot to trot this week who jesse she? she took interest in a man here i'll just read it a big crowd had gathered we all applauded. The acapella singers bowed and ran inside, and we all went after them. The four singers scurried behind the counter, ready to serve ice cream to customers. The one with the deepest voice was very cute. Mm. He also happened to be an African-American, which didn't hurt. Mm-hmm. Hi, he said. How can I help you? <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, right? That's great. Yeah. He's here to serve. Yeah. But my hashtag swoon, my immersed in thirst moment of the week, Jack, mm-hmm. I'm taking it back to, to basics. Christy spoke up. We'd be better off just moving inland to a motel or something. Leave it to Christy. One statement and we have a perfect solution to the problem of the year. That's a good idea, Mr. Pike said. <laughs> he glanced out the window and looked sternly around the room. Now listen, I want everybody to just pack a few clothes into overnight bags, enough for two days tops, and I don't want any fighting. This is very serious. We'll meet back here in 15 minutes. We went fast. I have hardly ever heard quiet, easygoing Mr. Pike talk like that. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Com- command me, Zaddy, right? <laughs> command me, John Pike. And there's a reason he doesn't talk like that too often. Because it's dangerous. Dangerous. It's dangerous. Tanner, do you know that when you... You probably don't realize this. When you read something that Mr. Pike is saying, yeah. like, you change. I do? You change. Your voice changes. It, beca- what it sounds like It sounds like a man's voice. Whoa, no one has ever said I have the voice of a man. It's crazy. It's a total transformation. Yeah. Wow. I just inhabit this character. Yeah. It's very powerful. Such is the power of John Pike. I read that. I was just like, whew. Command me, Daddy. Command me. Command me, Daddy Pike. (laughs) I don't like saying I didn't like saying it. <laughs> Someone at work just this week explained to me what z- zaddy means. Oh, uh, what is that? I've been seeing it around. <laughs> just like it honestly took three of my like female coworkers to be like, <laughs> you don't know what zaddy means? And I was just like, no. What is it? Just zad- daddy with a Z? And they're like, no, it's like someone saying daddy with an like a Bronx accent. It's like zaddy. Oh, now I'm going to start yeah. saying that. Yeah, Zaddy. I'll Zaddy. see if I can get Cyril Zaddy. to call me that. I would hate that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, command me Zaddy. Command me uh, Zaddy Pike. 
uh, Kamami, Kamami Zeddy Pike. Uh, let's describe this novel. Okay. Great. Uh, here's how we do that. The segment is called the 90 Second Rundown. Starring me, Jack Shepard, and introduced by my opening act, Tanner. I don't think the segment needs that much of a lead in. It's just kind of something we've always done. We've never. I think it works. I also feel like it kind of undercuts. Well, whatever. I said I talked about both of us. Yeah, no, no, no. And so it's going to be on me to really like. Yeah, get the crowd warmed up for the and like yeah. get everyone really whipped up about what I'm here about and what, the ninety what second rundowns. So here's how this works. You're going to yeah. describe this novel. Um, then I'm going to describe this novel. That's how we do it. Okay, I'm going to do it um, extemporaneously without yep. any foresight or planning, as I do every week. Great, as you do everything. As I do everything, yeah. yes, and somehow have managed to find a lot of success and fortune and Super friendships fans. and fans around just kind of like flying off the seat of my pants and mm-hmm. doing whatever feels right to me, and I guess I'm just very naturally creative and have this raw talent that you can't really commodify in any kind of way or plan around because it's just so beautiful. And I wouldn't ask for anything else from my opening act. Tanner, I would like for you to describe this novel beginning right now. Where were you when the big one hit? Maybe you were in New York, where the devastating effects of Hurricane Bill could be felt far and wide as entire skyscrapers crumbled under the might of the gale and were reclaimed by the sea. Maybe you were in Stony Brook, Connecticut, where it said entire homes were picked up right off their foundations by the force of the hurricane and carried clear to Nebraska and whole baseball teams disappeared without a trace and with even less warning. Or maybe, just maybe, you were on the Jersey coast where the storm surge boiled up and swept away the causeway, where depraved clowns, pirates, and predators took advantage of the closed ecosystem they found themselves in and stalked their naive 11-year-old prey, where castles built on a bedrock of sand crumbled, where windows shattered, where resolves were tested, and where friends became enemies. Wherever you were when the big one hit, just pray you weren't in Sea City. Babysitter's Club, Super Special, number 10. Sea City, here we come. Command me Zaddy Tanner. Command me Zaddy? Should that be something we say now? I actually probably think best not. I like it, and it feels good to say it. It's difficult to... once Now that I've heard it... What about hard, a shirt? It's hard to get it out of my mouth. Like I want I want to keep saying it. But I what don't about think a shirt that has a picture of John Pike on it, and it says, Command me Zaddy? But then people would have to wear that. Yeah. People yeah. would love to wear that. <laughs> we'll think about it i'll start working on it good um you know what that would be that would be what seth godin calls a purple cow three-dimensional purple cow yeah that's where he got it from look at this jack what guess what i use as a coaster every week while we record the show what worlds of power mega man 2 by fx9 yeah A.K.A. Seth Godin. 
Whoa! Fuck! Okay, we're going to take a quick detour from the 90-second rundown because I just put this all together thanks to you. Super Babies, as you may have heard when we were talking about the epithets, Tanner mentioned a weird part of this novel where they keep talking about a purple cow. Yes. There's like there's this three-dimensional purple cow that they pass on the way to Sea City, and all the babies are obsessed with it, but it's nothing comes of it. The purple cow is also very famous in the marketing world because it is the name of a book by marketing entrepreneur slash guru FX9. Godin. Oh, sure. Seth Godin. Sorry, I know him by his main identity, FX9. FX9, the creator of the Worlds of Power novels, right? written by Alan Miles and Pete Larangis. It all comes full circle. Right. So either Seth got his purple cow idea from Pete. Well, okay, let's not... Okay. We've got from, some fun From this novel. Later. Yes. Either Seth got his purple cow idea from this novel or seth insisted insisted that the writers of this novel put his purple cow into it as like a herald for his idea i feel like i know the ghostwriter of this novel well enough now Mm -hmm. to be able to speak for him yeah or her or her we're not saying yet and i can say that that person Mm -hmm is the kind of friend and colleague who would just want to shout out right a fellow children's book entrepreneur s- entrepreneur in a very subtle and fun way so that when Seth Godin is reading Babysitter's Club Super Special number 10 as he probably does most right. most nights yeah he would see that little nod to the purple cow and be like oh you know like thanks name ghostwriter yeah Right? Yeah. I think this is an act of friendship and camaraderie on behalf of the ghostwriter of this novel. Beautiful. Yeah. And it's very touching. In fact, it's yeah. my terrible moment. Yeah. Sorry. It's my approach the bench moment. Yeah. That's my approach the bench moment this week as well. I'm approaching the judge. I'm going to be like, I think it's very heartfelt and touching that the ghostwriter of this novel decided to shout out his friend, Seth Godin. Yeah. I think that's beautiful. Um, Tanner, I'm going to describe this novel now in 90 seconds. Okay. Uh, I'd like for you to put a timer on. Oh, let me Google 90-second timer. One great. Second. That's a great way to do it, apart from other than just like having a second. fucking thing prepared. Timer in five, four, okay, three. Okay, okay, okay. okay. One, go. Um, everybody's going to C-City. Uh, the mother's helpers again. Jesse and Mal are mother's helpers for the Pikes, and they're going to Sea City, New Jersey, for a long week. Um, but all the other babysitters are going too, mostly because they're going to help the Barrett family, specifically just Mrs. Barrett because she's alone. She's still single. Um, Christy is trying, but meanwhile, back in Stony Brook, Christy is trying to get the Crushers ready for a big tournament against Bart Basher, but she has to recruit a bunch of weirdo kids in the neighborhood because half of the Crushers are gone. Claudia is finishing summer school, and she makes some lifelong new best friends. Mal in Sea City has a huge crush on this guy, Toby, who was the guy who dated and then dumped Stacy. That causes a massive rift, and the first instance of Stacy on Mal crime, as they are fighting throughout this entire novel based on Stacy's jealousy of Mal. Uh, Dawn and Marianne hold an outdoor sleepaway camp, uh, and then they don't have much to do in this novel. Jesse is entering all the kids in a sandcastle competition. 
um, that goes nowhere. Um, and Logan is super fucking jealous of Alex, uh, who is the guy who used to date Marianne um, back in Boy Crazy Stacy, who's also this week in Sea City. Then there's a fucking hurricane. They all shelter in an elementary school. They all survive. And Mal tells Toby that she's still in love with Ben beep, 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 beep. Out of time, Mal out of time. Mal nailed didn't it. tell Toby anything. Yes, she did. I nailed no, it. No, because you ran out of time. No, I got it in right at the end, and that's everything in the novel. I'm confident. Okay. Well, fine. You got it right in at the end, but... Good. Did you good hit the job. hurricane? Yeah, I hit the hurricane. Very, very lightly. Yeah, well, so did Anne and her ghostwriter. Well, I feel like I, in my description, talked pretty much exclusively about the hurricane. So yeah, like... well, we didn't. Need, I didn't need to double up. Tanner, let's talk about the DeWitt paradox right now. <sighs> let's do that. Talk about the DeWitt paradox. Yeah. As soon as we're back from this brief break. An early one. Yeah, my wife's about to come home. Okay, why don't you say goodbye? Didn't. Didn't. Goodbye. Tanner! Jack. We promised our listeners that we would talk about the thorny issue of the DeWitt paradox before this break. Do you remember? It was about five minutes ago. Yep. Do you want to talk about it? No. What do you mean, No. I don't know what you're talking about. What do you mean you don't know what I'm talking about? What's the DeWitt paradox? Oh, Jesus Christ. I thought you were an expert. I consider myself an expert, yes. On the Babysitter's Club. Yes. Do you? Have you read any? Most, almost a lot of them. Doesn't seem like it. I've read all the main books and most of the super specials. It doesn't seem like it. But I have, so. All right, well, let let me read you this passage, Tanner, from this book. Malcolm Gladwell says, if you do anything for 10,000 hours, you're an expert. Mm -hmm. And I think reading reading time plus editing time plus listening time, Mm -hmm. I have to assume I've put 10,000 hours into this I would think so. How many days is 10,000 hours? No, 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 no. I don't care. I don't care. I don't fucking care. What do you think it's going to be interesting to people to know how many days 10,000? 416 days. Okay. That's probably pretty close to how long we spent. Yeah, right? Yeah. Okay. And if you So, I'm an So, yes, I would consider myself an expert. According to Malcolm Gladwell's rules for being an expert in something, yes. Well, you don't seem like one. Uh, let me see if this jars something loose. Okay. Excuse me? Nothing. I will probably have to hold your hand through this. But let me read you this passage. Tell me if anything jumps out at you. It's a passage from this novel. It's a super special by Ann M. Martin. She's the writer of the Babysitter's Club books. I know who she is. Oh, do you? Okay. Doesn't seem like I'm an expert. I'm a master. Fine. Let me read you this. No, that was not the cry of the wicked witch of the West as she melted. It was the happy screaming of seven Babysitter's Club members. Well... There were eight of us, but Logan managed to keep his jubilation to a boyish smile. Claudia, Dawn, Christy, Marianne, and Logan had arrived with Mrs. Barrett's boyfriend, Franklin Harris. He has four kids from a previous marriage, Lindsay, who's eight, Taylor, six, Madeline, four, and Ryan, two. Okay. One thing jumped out at me, and I don't know if this is right, and I don't know what they mean when they say Franklin Harris, mm-hmm. but 
The one thing in that passage that jumped out at me was that Franklin's last name is not Harris, it's DeWitt. Yes. But maybe Harris is his middle name? Why? Is where my mind went. Why? Why would... (laughs) Maybe he goes by... You know what? If I were a handsome, successful architect named Franklin DeWitt, Uh and I commanded a lot of power and gravitas... I would probably go by three names, including my middle name. Oh, yes, I am Franklin Harris DeWitt, architect. You may call me Franklin Harris. But that doesn't explain why Mallory would call him by his first and middle name. And I know that the ghostwriter of this novel studies his character Bible deeply. He would never make a mistake like that. That's true. Franklin DeWitt is a major, like, major character in these texts. Major. No, disagree. In the Babysitter's Club main canon universe. Disagree. Disagree. 100% disagree. Okay. And I'll tell you why. Why? Peter Larangis is infallible. Yes. So Franklin DeWitt is not a major character in the Babysitter's Club books. Franklin Harris, however, is. Okay. okay. Everyone else is wrong. It's like a collective hallucination? I don't know what it is, but everyone else is wrong and Pete is right. Okay, well, let's make this right then. Here are a couple possibilities that are just occurring to me. One, I think this is the most likely. Mrs. Barrett, what's her first name? Doesn't matter. Mrs. Barrett, before she met and later married Franklin, handsome architect Franklin DeWitt with four kids. No, let me finish. You're defying Pete's word. Let me finish. I know, I know, I know, I know you're making a point, but you're... You're defying Pete, and that just makes me uncomfortable. Okay. Let me finish. Yes. Mrs. Barrett, before she married handsome architect Franklin DeWitt, with four kids from a previous marriage, Lindsay, Taylor, Madeline, and Ryan, briefly dated a man named Franklin Harris, who also happened to have four kids from a previous marriage named Lindsay, Taylor, Madeline, and Ryan. Oh, huh. That's possibility. Yeah, they're common names. Yeah. That makes sense. That's possible. I would accept that, mm-hmm. and that would help me sleep better tonight. I don't think Pete made a mistake. I, I No, no, no. No, no, no. Sorry. When I said sleep better tonight, I didn't mean because I was worried Pete made a mistake. Okay, good. I mean sleep better tonight because I was worried that Anne, Ellen, Suzanne, the entity, all of them made a mistake. Right. Obviously, Pete doesn't make mistakes, right? No, it's impossible. Option number two, these novels take place in an alternate universe where Unlikely. a couple things are slightly different. Mm-hmm. We know the mysteries do. Yeah, but there's never been any indication before now that these books do. No, that's true, but this is a strong one. This is like Sabrina Bouvier level paradox. Okay. Option three, mm-hmm. Franklin changed his name. Witness protection. Sure. Option four, Pete is wrong and fallible. No, no, no. Not an option. Okay. Option good. three Just is testing you. that Franklin changed his name, and there are a bunch of sub options underneath that. Three mm-hmm. A is witness protection. Yeah. Three B is cult. Maybe a cult sounds right, and actually, that might be the answer because there's a lot of cult activity in this novel. Okay, so maybe that's it. Yeah. Okay. Turns out it was option three B all along. He changed his name to Dewitt. Yeah. Because he joined a cult. Or changed his name to DeWitt because he got out of the cult that forced him to change his name to Harris. Right. Okay, that's great. I think we nailed it. Thank God. 
Thank God. It Thank w- God. certainly wasn't Pete's fault in any way. In no, and it's offensive did. that you would suggest that it might be. Right. That that was never something we even considered. He wouldn't make a mistake. You seen that guy's character Bible? Yeah. It's, he's not capable of making mistakes. No, he's, he couldn't. He couldn't if he wanted to. It's like okay. God would make a mistake. Yeah, he wouldn't. Um, they wouldn't. Excuse me? I don't like to gender God. Okay, great. This is not a detour I'm interested in taking with you. <laughs> um, all right, well, so cultist is our answer. Ding, 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 ding. It's cultists. I was bingo wondering what it was. We got there. And that is a great segue to our next segment, a favorite segment of the Babysitter's Club Super Club called the... You don't even do the breathe-in anymore? Fearful moment! Prepare to be scared. Prepare to be scared. Prepare to be scared. That's right. We're talking about this week. The monster. And the beast. We got it all in. This is a complex. Like, whoever's editing this is just going to be. Yeah, let's cut. Why don't we cut the rest of those? Because it's, it's let's just do the fearful moment thing, and then not it only takes me. It only takes me an extra hour <laughs> to, to do all of the like fully the, work. The post for... team. <laughs> Sorry, the, me. It only takes our producers. Yeah, and and they don't do shit around here anyway. So we might as well finally give them some work, make them earn their paycheck. That's why I wanted to do three unnecessary intros for this one segment. (laughs) This is a segment where we talk about the monster and the beast that Anne puts in every single one of these novels. I think I managed to find one of each. I want to start with what we were just talking about, which is the cult. Please. I think that Chrissy lives in a neighborhood full of crazy cultists. Okay. You mean the... Oh, you know what? I'm just now remembering. Mm-hmm. That was my epithet for Anne. Okay. <laughs> the up and... <laughs> you just got so distracted by wieners, wieners. <laughs> and crabs for grass. Well, I captured several. <laughs> I captured, captured several epithets this week, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I love this crabs for grabs stuff, but I was like, oh, probably Anne, what, what Anne wants us to refer to her as mm-hmm. is the... Christy lives in this neighborhood that she describes as top out of sights. Top out of sight, I think, is maybe what Anne wants us to call her, don't you think? Probably. Unless it's a bad call. Right, and I think it is. Okay, so Anne probably doesn't want us to call her something that's related with a bad call. Right, and top out of sights is, I think it's to do with the fact that the mansions are so high up in the hills that you can't see the top of them. But she describes them as top out of sights. Christy has to go around looking for... uh, like kids, I somebody should call the cops on Chrissy because she goes around just like ringing on doorbells asking for the kids of the house. Bring to, me your children to join her crushers. Yes, team uh, to fill in for all the kids who are on vacation in the big tournament. Bring me your children. I'll conscript them into the crushes. Exactly. 
Uh, and the the kids that she find are there's this kid called Quad Emerson Pinkney the Fourth, Quad yeah. for short. And there's a he, he has a younger brother named Moon. Yeah, short for P. Archibald. Which in what way Moon is not? Yeah, in what way is that short for P. Archibald? And then Christie says he was also, well, moon shaped. Do you think she's talking about a waxing gibbous? Or a waning crescent? About the um, 1980s McDonald's mascot, Mac Tonight. Do you remember Mac Tonight? No. Mac Tonight was... Oh, right. Hmm. How do I explain this to you? Mac Tonight was a character created by McDonald's in the 1980s. He was created to promote the fact that mcdonald's was open late Mm -hmm. and he was a jazz singer who wore a suit and glasses and played the piano and And his head was the shape of a crescent moon oh okay i think if you google mac tonight yeah you'll get a solid idea of what he looks like of what this kid looks like oh yeah sorry what of what um archibald p archibald P, p archibald looks like yeah okay that's useful. He was a very, I think he was a beloved character that a lot of people really loved and weren't um, terrified of when they were children. For a great taste dinner at McDonald's. It's Mac tonight. Come on, make it Mac tonight. Can't imagine they would be a man with a moon for a face. But what Christy finds is that a lot of these kids, possibly including Quad and Moon, are already in another little league team. Right. Rich called, kid league. Called the Challengers. Yes. And, Tanner, if it's Christie's Crushers, mm-hmm. and it's Bart's Bashers. Bart Bashers, Bashers, yes. It can only be, and I ran the numbers on this, it can only be Cthulhu's Challengers. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, so Christie's Crushers is KR... KR. Yeah. Bart, Bashirs, mm-hmm. Bashers. It's B A B A B A. Mm-hmm. The challengers can only be Cthulhu. C T H. Mm-hmm. It's pronounced C T H. Lovecraft says it's pronounced more like Right. Cool. And it's spelled in the text C T H A L L E N G E R S. Yes. 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 The the challengers. Yeah, yeah, sorry. It, it doesn't come across when I say it, but it's the C-T-H-A-L-L-E-N-G-E-R-S. Cthulhu's challengers. I have like a sneaking suspicion. We're 10 books into these, nine, 10, 10 books into these super specials. Mm-hmm. And each week without fail. And the whole reason behind the Fearful Moment segment is because it's so obvious that Lovecraft has had a hand in either writing or at least inspiring the writing of these books. I think they exist in the same narrative universe. That's yes. just what it is. Yes. yes. Um, it's, and It's the Lovecraft universe. In, in fact, the- Shannon goes to the hills of Vermont. Once again, the hills of Vermont come back. Yeah. The frequent location in Lovecraft texts. Yeah. The nightmarish hills of Vermont. That's where Shannon disappears to. Yeah. That's, and that's her whole plot. 
She just dis- disappears to the nightmarish hills of Vermont. That's it. I don't know why Anne put it in, but I guess now we do. Um, and let, let me read you this passage, Tanner, to put a little bit of a button on it. We've seen this now. This is now the third time we've seen this in one of these super specials. Screak! Mrs. Barrett stomped on the brakes when someone swerved toward her from an entrance ramp. The car skidded a little, and she screamed. Susie shrieked. Buddy looked pale with shock. Barney woke up crying. Mrs. Barrett said, well, I won't say what she said. Okay, right. We've been over this before. Yeah, she said. Something that is nearly impossible for human tongues to say. And if we were to say it for human ears to hear on this podcast, it would flay your very mind. Yeah, because it is the invocation of the keeper of the great old ones, Cthulhu himself. I just sent our friend Aaron Chack a video of Mac tonight. Great. (laughs) By accident. (laughs) (laughs) I meant to send it to you. Yep. So I'll have to explain that one away in a bit. Um, Tanner, before we move on from the segment, let me, that's, I think the monster, allow me to, uh, describe to you the beast. Oh no, allow me. Okay. (sighs) There was a creature in the bathroom. It was communicating in no language known to humankind, but one thing was clear. It brought a message of great annoyance. Suddenly, it appeared in my bedroom door. It held up a piece of wet, rectangular pink fabric. The pink one is mine, it said. The green one is yours. Then it stormed away into the bathroom. That's fucking crazy. I noticed that passage as well. Also, that's Dawn's only appearance in this novel. Yeah. Dawn has one appearance in this novel, and it's a very brief interaction with this This awful monster that comes out of the bathroom to chide her about whose towel is whose. Towels, and then that's it. Yeah. It's terrifying. I think Anne decided to bench Dawn this week. Yeah. After a few, like, kind of crazy showings. Dawn's had a rough run. But she does show up, and she witnesses this beast. But it wasn't your beast, huh? I'm now thinking this might be the same beast. Okay. Um, And I think that this beast first appeared in the novel California Girls by Anne M. Martin. Babysitter's Club's... Was that a super special? It's a super special, yeah. Babysitter's Club. Um, It also happened in the bathroom when Mallory is looking in the mirror. So this is when these beasts tend to show up. And when Mallory sees this toad, do you remember? She looks in the mirror and she sees a toad. Same thing here. You've described... This beast, there's a second, I think, description that's an origin of it early on in this novel. Okay. Come on, let's play a game, I suggested. I'll start. This is when they're they're driving to Sea City. They're going into the belly of the beast. Come on, let's play a new game. Now, the beast is that big that they're going into the belly of it? It's a metaphor. Okay. Come on, let's play. It's wordplay. I was doing wordplay. I know, but you know we're in a segment called the... Monster and the Beast, so when you say the belly of the beast, it's okay. it, it can be confusing. Okay. Thanks for clarifying that. So, sorry, thanks it. for clarifying that? Thanks for clarifying it. Let's not dwell on every verbal miscue. You son of a bitch, let me read this passage. 
Come on, let's play a new game, I suggested. I'll start a story and everyone will add to it. No, Nikki complained. Okay, you don't have to play Nikki, I said. Vanessa! Once upon a time, there was a big, fat toad who ate something very strange. Your turn. Um, it was a, a goober from an old man with a bushy mustache, she said. Convulsing with laughter. She's hysterical. She's hysterical. Her mind is being flayed. Then, then he turned green and sprouted hair from his ears. Nikki added. Who did? The old man? That's a misplaced... No, it's not. What do you call that? Dangling participle. Dangling participle. It's not. Nor is it a misplaced modifier. Antecedent? Nor is it a misplaced antecedent. Then he turned green and sprouted hair from his ears. Nikki added, suddenly interested. And went to the barber to have his ears cut off. Who did the man? said. Yes, this man. What are you not following about this? Are we talking about the toad or the man? Once upon a time, there was a big fat toad who ate something very strange. The thing he ate was a goober from an old man. Yes. With a bushy mustache. Yes. Then, Then, after eating that, he turned green and So the toad? Yes. But you just said a moment ago that it was the man, the old man. No, I didn't. You inferred that. So this is a confusing... I just think this is a this is muddled language. This is an inexpert deployment of language because I don't know if you're talking about the old man or the toad. I've told you I'm talking about the toad. Toads don't have ears. <laughs> don't they? No. All around me were familiar faces. Jack. They don't. I've seen a toad, Jack. And you've seen a toad too. They don't have ears. They might have holes that they hear through, but they don't have ears. Another cool fact about frogs and toads is that they have ears. Who says that? Fishandboat.com. <laughs> okay. Oh, they're an authority. They don't have lobes like us, but instead have external eardrums called tympanum. Well, that's not ears. Another, shall I read this again to you, Tanner? Another cool fact about frogs and toads is that they have ears. So you're telling me that this toad had its external eardrums cut off? Yeah, it's so horrifying that it shows up in the bathroom at Sea City and curses Dawn out for taking the wrong towel. Horrifying. Because it woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Horrifying. Prepare to be scared. We told you to prepare to be scared. So if you got scared and vision. you're mad at us, don't be. Because we told you Not to our prepare. Fault. Yeah. Tanner, I want to talk about Aeolus, the god Aeolus. I want to talk about how nature in these novels is out to destroy these girls. I okay. think that's what these super specials are about. Mother Nature okay. herself has turned against them. What's happening? What's happening? Was that you? Was what me? The music? The no. sound? I just heard a sound. Was that coming from your side? I've, it's definitely coming from you. Did you press something by accident? I don't think so. Okay. I, I want to talk about... I think that... Okay, now you're. it's happening and it's very clearly you. Do you want me to finish my point? I don't think it's me. You don't? Okay. No. I think... Is there like a... Are we intercepting someone's cell signal? I don't think that's possible. All right. Go ahead. Okay. Aeolus. Aeolus 
so the, there's this hurricane, and in all of these novels, Mother Nature is... Tur- it's very difficult to concentrate with that music. Uh. Excuse me? Uh. What? Uh, Peter, 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 can't you see? Sometimes your words just hypnotize me. And I love your pulp nymph ways. Especially how your words just dance off the page. <laughs> Woo! Oh, it's good Super to be back. babies. <laughs> oh, doesn't that feel good? Woo. Doesn't it feel good to have that back in our lives? It does. It's the Larangus moment, Jack. Can you believe it? I can't. We're back, baby. Where did that one come from? We're back. That's from Baby B. Asha. Baby B. Asha. I bet nobody thought that they would get a Larangus moment back on here, but we're back. Pete is we're back. back. Pete is back. Baby Nation. Super babies. Yeah. Pete Gus wrote this book. You cannot keep those sweet, sweet feet from walking right back into our the hearts <laughs> okay yeah <laughs> i'm loving it and i definitely you know it took a little while but i definitely found that moment i definitely found that sweet moment where it was like i can definitely feel sweet pete's sweet sweet feet treading all over this tender heart of mine yeah that's good i like that a lot i like that a lot and it doesn't hurt it hurts but in no, a good it feels way. good yeah yeah it feels great Tread on my heart, Pete. Command me, Zaddy. Command me, Zaddy. Um, no, I don't want to say that to Pete. <laughs> um, do tread on my heart. You have, and I encourage it. Uh, this segment is about the moment in these novels where we realize that it could only have been written by the great sweet Peter Lorangis and his sweet, 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 sweet feet without even looking at the back of the book where it acknowledges that Peter's a ghostwriter. You can tell because you can, you can, you can sense that pulp nymph dancing Across the pages. Tanner, what was the moment where you realized that this could only have been written by Sweet Peter Larangers? I have to admit, there was something exciting in the air. The kids were screaming and scarfing down food like crazy. When it was time to head back to the gym, I took Susie and Marnie's hands. Susie seemed agitated. What's up? I asked. I didn't bring my PJs, she mumbled. Me neither, Buddy said. Me threether. Ha! <laughs> Adam chimed in. <laughs> that's so good. So good. Pete, that's beautiful. Fucking incredible. Me threether? It's such a good thing to say. I have lived a long time on this earth, not as long as you. Oh, by the way, Jack, mm. happy birthday. Thanks. Gosh, I can't believe we didn't hit this earlier. Yeah. It's your birthday yesterday. It was yesterday. Lordy, lordy. Yeah. Anyway, let's keep. Um, Look who's saying? 40, Jack Shepard. Do you need any good gifts? Yeah. Like what? I got a keyboard, piano. And? And what? Anything else? Oh, yeah. You gave me a really nice gift. <laughs> I was going to mention it. I was I didn't thank you because I was going to mention it on this podcast and I forgot. I got an email <laughs> Super Babies I got a very nice email from Tanner today. He has signed me up to be a, a card carrying member of the T.S. Eliot Society <laughs> of the UK. Specifically <laughs> of the UK. I'm really 
really, really hope they send me a card that I can carry in my wallet. I emailed it's- them today, and I was like, um, I signed up for this, but I signed up for a friend. Can you just change all the account information to be this name and address? And they sent yeah. back this very like proper email that was like, oh, chip, chip, cheerio. Uh, of yeah, course, the- that would be no problem, Gov. Uh, <laughs> we've gone ahead and changed the account information from Tanner Greenring to Jack Shepard. Did they write back and they were like... What seas, what shores, what gray rocks, and what islands, what water lapping the bow. Are you going to go to the uh, 2019 TSL Festival? In fuck, I bet I am. What was the name of the town? Getting on... It's like Shrubsbury or something. (laughs) Oh, it's in Little Getting. Little Getting. It's in Little Getting. Yeah, so you get the reference. Oh, of course. Right? Don't you? Yeah. It's. I'll. I'll make it clearer for you. It would be. I imagine probably next time they'll have it in the dry selvages <laughs> or the wastelands. Am I right? Anyway, yeah, I guess or Burnt Norton. Okay. Or East Coker. So Lordy Lordy Jack is forty. Can you believe okay, it or not? Let's... He's so old. He's almost dead. Um. My that was my Lord Andrews moment. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you had one too. Oh yeah. So this is um. We didn't really dwell on this plot because it's kind of arbitrary, but Christy is trying to uh, – everybody – like all of the crushers are out of town, and she is still determined oh, to have You know what this... sucks? We can no longer say that this show ah, – this is the Babysitter's Club. It's hosted by two guys who are in their 30s who talk about the Babysitter's Club books. Isn't it so funny that these two guys in their like 30s are talking about these books for like <laughs> – Teenage and preteen girls. We can't say that anymore, you know? We have to have our publicist, like, email everyone and be like, sorry, update your blogs, update your your articles, and say, like, Babysitter's Club Club is a podcast by one guy in his early 30s and one guy in his 40s. And how they are talking about the Babysitter's Club books, these books written for, like, teen and young, preteen girls. Gosh, we should get on that tomorrow, huh? <laughs> Super Babies, Jack is utterly unamused <laughs> by any fun jokes about the fact that he is now in his 40s. There's a moment in this novel when Christy is trying to... One day you're going to turn 40 and I'm not going to be here to support never, you. Never, I won't. ever, ever. I won't support you. I'm in my early 30s and I will be forever. I won't support you. I'm going to be hanging out with all my fucking awesome new best friends that I make at the T.S. Eliot Society in Little Gidding. And I'm not even going to give you a second thought. I won't even send you a fucking postcard. I'm in my early 30s and I will be forever for the next 14 days. Good. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday. <laughs> this is late 30s. One guy in his late 30s. Not yet. One I guess by the time this episode comes out, I'll be in my. I, we dwelt 30s. on this for too long. Chrissy is trying to recruit members for the Crushers so that she can field a full team, and she goes into like Watson's rich friends neighborhood, and so she meets all these people we've talked about, these like crazy cultists like Quad and Moon, yeah, who have like these crazy fucking names, which is already kind of very Pete. Like, there's a Pete flavor to it, yes. But here's this little touch that. Only Pete could have added. It's during the practice when all of um, all of her new recruits join the team. Kate Munson was playing catch with Mariah Perkins near the third baseline. Mariah was pitching very gently to her, and Kate was ducking each throw as if it were a hand grenade. Richard Owen had brought a tennis ball to the game and looked confused. 
Alexandria DeLong had come dressed in a brand new designer baseball outfit. She was trying desperately to wipe off a smudge of dust from her right ankle. In the stands, her parents and grandparents were having a champagne picnic and toasting each other. <laughs> They're such rich characters. <laughs> I love the DeLongs. <laughs> the DeLongs. I want more of the DeLongs. She wears a designer Do you outfit. know what's disgusting about me? What? I want to be the DeLongs. Oh, so do I. I want to be at a Little League game, like, doing a champagne toast. Like, it's oh, not even a game. Oh, how delightful. It's like after the fall, their daughter gets invited to a baseball practice, and they're like, time for a champagne picnic. <laughs> and, like, show up to watch it and, like, lay out the blankets and, like, have their butler serve them champagne while their <laughs> daughter is, like, doing practice at, like, four in the afternoon on a Tuesday. It's fucking masterful. Um, <clears throat> Your Honor. Oh. <clears throat> yes? I would like... My name is the uh, right and honorable Judge Zaddy. Zaddy, your honor, uh, the honorable Zaddy, and what's your uh, your surname? Um, it's ass, hot, hot ass. <laughs> okay. The right and honorable judge, hot ass Zaddy. Okay. Well, your honor. Yes. Your go judge ahead, Z- judge Zaddy. We can call you hot ass. Say the. Judge Hades, the right and honorable Judge Hades Zaddy. Yes. I would like to introduce a motion to dismiss. Yes. <laughs> okay. Motion to dismiss. Hey, 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 I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to get you high. What do you say? Nah, man, I don't smoke weed. I smoke clowns like you on a b-ball court. <laughs> Miss dis spelled D I S S. Sure, you think you think that the the court proceedings are not going the way you thought they would, and you would like to dismiss the entire proceedings. No, no, sorry. I think that there was a great dis or burn in a book I read recently. Uh, and okay. I'd like to talk about it. Okay, and okay. I, can I also? It's very difficult to concentrate with this porpoise crying. Uh, bailiff. Bailiff. He was telling me... Can you get rid of the porpoise? He was telling me before this, like, big... Why is he in the courtroom? I can explain, I think. He had this sob story. Apparently, he's an orphan. Okay, like Orphan Black. No. (laughs) Like Oliver Twist. Okay. He's an orphan. His, uh, his, His parents were eaten by sharks recently. Okay. Um, and so uh, he's trying to strike out on his own. He briefly had some uh, some hope when he became the star of this segment called Slabius Porpoise, but he was summarily dismissed from that segment. And now he has nothing. He has, just right. has nothing at all. Yes. Well, I'm going to have the bailiff remove him. And he just sit, stands around in the courtroom crying and no. interrupting Yeah, him. I'm going to have the bailiff remove him and kick okay. him to the curb. I don't think he has anywhere to go. Good. Okay. <laughs> I hope he dies. But who did this to him? Um, I'm reading here on my sheet that the Super Babies did this to him. The, oh, the Super Babies, If that's yeah. somehow possible. I don't know. Yeah. It's it's saying here that like 
he was not popular with the Super Babies, and the Super Babies are directly responsible and culpable for the death of this sad porpoise. <sighs> okay, well, it's, it's this is a court of law. I'm just reading. I'm reading yeah. the stenographer notes here. Like this yeah. is not me. I'm the messenger. It's not my fault. If he I'm just reading have here parents. that the Super Babies did this to the Slabius porpoise. Yeah, yeah. All right, and bailiff the, and the Slabius porpoise. I'm sorry, I'm reading here. The Slabius porpoise's blood is on Super Baby's hands. Oh, is that what it says? Yes. Okay. Well, then, then we don't have anything to worry about. No, except the, his cries as he's dragged out of the court. And I don't love them, but <laughs> no, it's very difficult. Very, Nothing I can very do. Very difficult. Yeah, my hands are tight here. Easier if he weren't an orphan. If he had, anyways. Super Baby said they hated him. So yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let me let me introduce this motion to dismiss. By which I mean, I'm going to tell you my burn of the week. Yes. My burn of the week this week is to burn on Claudia by Christine. Okay. Hurricane Bill is looming over Sea City. The entire town is trying to evacuate. Yes. The causeway bridge is already underwater. Children are screaming. The Pike family is frantically trying to escape before they are all drowned. They're trying to get to a school on a hill to stay in the uh, gymnasium. Yeah. I was having a dilemma, says Claudia. I was wearing the only long pants I had packed, these overdyed navy jeans. I was also wearing a loose black cotton sweater over a white tank top. So if I packed my big purple Hawaiian shorts, which were the next warmest pants, I'd be stuck having to wear an orange striped shirt, which is the only long-sleeved one I brought. Unless I wore the sweater again over it. Uh, Claude, Christy said, Bill's a hurricane. Not a fashion show, Judge. <laughs> That's good. Good. Yeah. Very good. Dismissed. Very good Dismissed. Oh, okay. case dismissed. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Awesome. We can all go home, unlike that poor porpoise who has no Yeah. Tanner Gamoo. Sorry? Gamoo. Sorry? Tanner Gamoo. Are you addressing me when you say that? No, I'm saying that I'm saying gmu. It's what Claudia says. Explain. Uh, do you even read this book? I should have been thrilled. Thrilled. I should have been dancing on my desk. I gotten decent grades in summer school. Good enough so that I was guaranteed to pass even if I flunked the final exam. All I had to do was sit there and not commit a crime. When the bell rang, I would be ready for G M O O H gmu. Get me out of here. Here's my problem with Gamu. Okay. What? It's a bad brief. Yeah, it sounds like something a purple cow would say. It's a bad brief because it takes up exactly as many syllables as get me out of here. No, it doesn't. Gamu? Gamu. Well, it's not Gamu. Oh, a G-M-O-O-H. You're misrepresenting this because it's spelled in the, the text as G-M-O-O-H. Yeah, that's not good. When the bell rang... I would be ready for G-M-O-O-H. Yeah. You know what takes as many syllables to say as G-M-O-O-H? Get me out of here. Get me out of here. And it makes a lot more sense. Yes. But I think gamu, I think there's something there. Well, do you want to know what the real good slang in in this, as much as I hate to admit it? Other than um, me threether? Other than me threether? You know what the really good slang in this was? What? This isn't a letter to Mr. McGill. Mm-hmm. From his daughter, Stacy. How's July in the Big Apple? Catching any rays on the way to the E train? Just kidding. 
by the next time I see you, and that's also in a brief, a pretty I see you good yeah. brief, but that's not like the, one the I'm intensive about. care unit. I'll be bronze, I hope. <laughs> Mrs. Barrett's renting a house in Sea City near the Pikes, and she asked me if I could go along to help take care of the kids. I said, twist my arm. <laughs> no, really. I told her I'd ask permish. Uh, that's cool. Mom says, okay. Do you too? I'd ask permish. That's cool. Tanner, I'd like to ask you permish to gmu right now to leave. I want to leave. Oh, okay. I want to get me out of here. Okay. Okay. You want a gamu? I want a gamu. This is a podcast with me. I'm Jack Shepard. I'm Tanner Greenring. Thanks for bearing with both of us. Uh, please rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. Yep. Please buy our merch. Bit.ly slash BSCC merch. Most of it designed by Baby B. John at Voxedable on Twitter. Please come to our live show bit.ly slash bscc live it's in new york february 20th littlefield in new york in brooklyn we need you there please come if you don't buy tickets they won't let us do more live shows yeah so all of you who are complaining on baby nation the facebook group join baby nation the facebook group right now about how we're not coming to wisconsin or boston or australia yeah right we're gonna come to fucking australia i would love to i would love to but first we need to sell at this fucking show okay yeah and we're we've there's still tickets for sale so buy them up dingleberries i'm sorry i lashed out yeah please buy our tickets to our show please come to the show there we love you and we kiss you this week we read a novel that was called sea city here we come next week we're going to be reading a little book called The Babysitters Remember. Remember what? I don't know. <laughs> that they like they all committed a murder. Oh, it's like, I know what you did last summer. Yeah. You're okay. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. That's what's happening next week. I've been Jack Shepard. Say you're, who you've been. I, and I'm Tanner Greenring. And who you've been. I have been Tanner Greenring. We're yours until I see the salad dressing. And lordy lordy. No, come on. Jack is 40. They ruined, you ruined the whole podcast. Man, we text each other a lot. Well, we're very close friends. And yeah, we live that's in different true. States. Jesus, like a couple of teens. Um, I just text you garbage. God, what a nightmare! You just get. I just. It's like a stream of consciousness of like what I'm doing during the day. It must be so unpleasant. And then it's you fine. just text me back these like emojis of me kissing a emoji man. Yeah, that's my go-to with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Uh, like looking back at our texts, I would say every fifth text I send you is you kissing an emoji man. Yeah, man kiss Jack. Man kiss Jack. That was a headgum podcast. <laughs>